What's going on, family? TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Really? Thank God it's Friday. And welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, of course, GB, Gerard Bonner, and I hope you are having a great day. I hope you've had a great week. Certainly, my thoughts and prayers are with everybody who's in Texas, Louisiana, those areas in the South that have been just ravaged with not just cold weather, but a lack of power, a lack of warmth, sometimes a lack of food. Yeah, we're hoping that you are safe and sound and uh, wherever in the world you are, that you're safe and that uh, life is working well for you. That's my hope for sure. Thank you for your support of the faction. I don't take it for granted that you tune into our content, that you pay attention to us on social media. I do not take that for granted at all. So thank you. If you're not already doing that, hit the follow button uh, on social media at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Feel free to do the same in our podcast space you can do that wherever it is that you listen to our podcast just click that subscribe button also go ahead and rate us and leave a comment as well it will be widely appreciated now then let's jump into the wednesday night war nxt versus aew dynamite two big shows heading into two really big spaces for aew they are now on the road to the revolution pay-per-view which takes place on Sunday, March the 7th. Uh, There's also the big match between Shaquille O'Neal and Jade Cargill versus Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet. That's happening on the Dynamite leading into Revolution. Meanwhile, on the AEW side, they brought us their post-takeover show, and what a big night it was for pro wrestling shout out to aew dynamite who wins again this week pulling in 747,000 viewers it's a slight increase of 6,000 viewers from the previous week so you could really argue that nxt won and won big here's why they came in with 713,000 viewers so it's about 34,000 viewers this week less than dynamite but it's up 155,000 viewers from the previous week. Clearly, people were interested to see what was going to happen post-takeover with both winners of the Dusty Rhodes Classic and what's going on with the Undisputed Era. It was certainly enough to bring in a lot of eyes on NXT, and NXT did not disappoint. We had the surprise appearance of the women's tag team champions confronting the winners of the women's Dusty Cup. We now know that that match will take place in two weeks' time on March the 3rd. We also know some other big things are going to go down on March the 3rd for NXT, including a significant match between Karrion Cross and Santos Escobar. It's going to be amazing. And if you understand counter-programming, you know that NXT is lining up a big show for March the 3rd for a very simple reason. It is counter-programming to AEW's huge show, which will feature, as I mentioned, Shaquille O'Neal, Jade Cargill, Cody Rhodes, and Red Velvet. That's going to be a big match. It's going to gain a lot of eyes. So NXT's counter-programming, I think, is smart. You put on some big matches and you don't try to fill it up with a bunch of celebrities and things, but you do what you do well. 
That's what NXT is going to do. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen in two weeks time on both NXT and AEW television. Looking at AEW, we're seeing a really big setup for the Revolution pay-per-view. We now know of some of the matches that are going to happen, which will include Hangman Page and Matt Hardy in what's being called a big money match. But I think there's a lot of talk about what the AEW title match is going to be. Kenny Omega his rematch against John Moxley in something we've not seen here in the States before, an exploding barbed wire death match, which has all of the feels of FMW and things from Japan, which we don't see regularly. We don't see that in New Japan very often, if ever. It's a very hardcore match that isn't really duplicated here in the States. And to give you some context, Tony Schiavone, who's been in the business for 40 years, has never called one of these matches because they aren't normal. So I'm excited for this. And I mean, you want to talk about something big for the Revolution pay-per-view. That's going to be monstrous. And when we wondered why the Shaquille O'Neal match didn't happen on the pay-per-view, we may understand why. A, they obviously consider the ratings important, but B, you don't want something like that to overshadow this monstrous title match that's going to happen. So I'm really excited to see what both companies are putting out. And I know a lot of people get into the AEW versus NXT or WWE war. Here's who wins. We as fans continue to win because both products are bringing us something very very special who can argue with the successes of takeovers who can argue with how dope AEW's pay-per-views and their weekly wrestling program has been so shout out to AEW and to NXT for continuing to provide us great content especially during this pandemic one thing that happened on Wednesday night that kept the wrestling world talking is Jim Ross. Jim Ross, during his commentary moment, was leading into a package for Kenny Omega, and he announced Kenny Omega as a Freudian slip as a WWE champion. When I saw it, I literally thought I was hearing things, so I had to rewind it again to make sure. Did I really hear him say the WWE champion? As you can imagine, people had things to say about it. It was kind of a fun joke. But I, when I heard it, I immediately thought to myself, oh no, it's okay. Jim Ross called people WWE champion for well over 25 years. It's muscle memory, and it's hard to change that. Listen, there are things that I normally say that in other venues that I have to remember, no, this is not that level of branding. It's another brand, and I have to make a conscious effort to remember to say it. He's only been saying the AEW world champion for barely two years. So let's give Jim Ross some slack. It was live television at that, and they made no more reference to it on the show, which says they rebounded very, very well. So let's not be part of the petty party, but let's go ahead and give Jim Ross space. Certainly for well over 40 years, he has been the commentator of commentators. He has done so many things right. Ah, give him this one. He gets a pass. Absolutely. So with that said, so we are under two months away from WrestleMania 37. And things are getting very interesting because, of course, we've not seen ticket sales yet. Uh, we don't know fully what WWE's plan is. We do know that independent organizations are already putting tickets on sale. We've talked about GCW, their collective, the remix, about 12 events that are going to happen over a three-day period. 
We know for sure that WrestleMania will be a two-night event. We do have some more details on it, which I think is important. I've shared before that in this two-night event, they would have 30,000 people attending uh, on both nights. So that's going to be intriguing. We've talked a bit about their potential use for cutouts, studying what happened at the Super Bowl with the NFL. That, I think, should be interesting as well. The question now is, how are they going to set these tickets up? Now, when they looked at the NFL, the NFL had done uh, specific social media distancing pods where they would group people together in groups of four to six and then leave room of three seats per side so that social distancing could be exercised. I honestly think WWE is going to have to be much stricter than they usually are at live events to ensure that people stay within these socially distanced pods. One of my initial questions is, how do you manage things when it comes to merchandising? Like when people decide to go out and check out the merch table. How do you handle things when it comes to concessions? How do you handle things when you go to the bathroom, right? Like if you've ever been to an event at a stadium or an arena, you know, one of the big things is obviously getting to your seat, but that long line for the bathroom, how do you manage that? Now, I don't know how the NFL managed it, and I'm obviously trusting that WWE has done their studies to see how they managed it. But those are the kinds of questions that you have to ask yourself. You know, do you really orchestrate when people go to the bathroom, when they don't? I've also heard this, and I'm a little concerned about this, that the plan right now is to have four and a half hours of wrestling each night with the first match starting at 5.30 p.m. Eastern and things ending around 10 p.m. Eastern. So again, I'm gonna lean on my uh, firsthand experience in attending these events at both stadiums and arenas, and that is this. Another thing that takes a long time is when you're trying to not just get people in the event, but get them out of the event as well. Uh, having been at a few WrestleManias and a few house shows or TV tapings, that line before you get to the event is always intriguing. You meet a lot of great wrestling fans, but we always stand in close quarters. You can't necessarily do that in the middle of a pandemic. So how will they orchestrate that? Will they have X number of people line up at certain entrances? Will they limit that? Will they open up additional entrances to ensure that you don't have these large congregations of people? These are all major questions that WWE has to both ask and answer because here's the challenge of doing an event of this size in this pandemic. You do not want to be the one that hosts an event that becomes a super spreader or an event that can be pointed back to down the road as something that caused a spike in COVID, especially right now when in some places we're starting to see some of these numbers go down. So my question to you is, would you attend WrestleMania 37 or any of the ancillary events connected to it? I think that's a real question. I wonder what these ticket sales are going to look like. Now, I'll say this. I do think that they're going to sell out. I don't think that they're going to have a struggle finding 30,000 people because you have a lot of antsy wrestling fans right now. 
You have a lot of people that want to be at live events, but I also think that there's a lot of very real concern out there. Now, initially, there was talk that there would not be additional WrestleMania week events, but that's back on the table now. So they could be doing additional events, perhaps like an Access, perhaps an NXT TakeOver, maybe even a Hall of Fame event. How do you manage all of that? I don't know, but I think that WWE is going to have to have some super strict guidelines in place to ensure that this works. Now, will they go the route of New Japan uh, where they will not allow people cheering and you have to have a mask and the only cheering you can do are claps? Probably not. How will they manage people cheering? How will they manage people with masks on? Will we see scenarios where people will get kicked out of the stadium if they're not wearing a mask or if they take their masks off, as we've seen at other gatherings of a sports-related nature? I don't know. I'm just raising a lot of questions and potential concerns. I'm torn in terms of whether or not I would go to WrestleMania. There's a big part of me that wants to go because of networking opportunities, especially in this space that I'm in now with Southern Honor, uh, all kinds of opportunities to meet and connect with people as there will be people there. There's no doubt about it. The other side of it is, can you control how people respond and react to you? I admittedly get a little nervous even in going to the store these days. I don't go out a whole lot. I, I ration out when I go out so that I can feel safe, obviously going to our events with Southern Honor and going to other spaces. But uh, personally, I'm concerned about that. And I don't want to obviously bring anything home to my family, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a real question. There's no right or wrong answer other than we have to do what we have to do to be safe, to keep wrestlers safe, to keep fans safe, to keep workers safe. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very, very interesting. So I want to get your thoughts on WrestleMania 37 and everything connected to it. Will you be going? Will you not? We obviously don't know when tickets are on sale. The closer we move to it, uh, that obviously means if you're traveling from somewhere outside of Tampa, you've got to, you know, get ticket. You've got to be able to get travel, cared for, lodging, etc. So I'm very curious to see and I'm equally curious to see what the prices will look like. WrestleMania historically has been a pretty pricey event. And uh, will they lower prices perhaps to get more people in the door or not? There is a pandemic and a lot of people have obviously had some financial challenges. I don't know. I don't know. Will hotels be ready for this? After all, most hotels are not fully occupied for, again, a lot of reasons. Will you open up additional rooms because there is potential revenue, obviously, for hotels, for dining areas, for everything connected uh, to the city surrounding and involving WrestleMania? Lots of real challenges. And I applaud WWE for taking what appears to be some real measured time to make these decisions. So we'll keep you posted in terms of when tickets will go on sale, what their plans are in terms of CDC guidelines and etc. It's going to be very interesting to watch how WrestleMania is handled. This is the first live event involving fans for WWE since the pandemic has begun. So it will be very, very interesting to see. Maybe they should even ask AEW, and I know some probably wouldn't, but they should since AEW has found ways to manage with a live crowd. One of the differences, of course, 
is they've put a lot of distance between the fans and between the wrestlers. So there's whole sections you can't sit in at Daly's place. This is going to be a different scenario. Will WWE want fans at ringside or will they go old school and let ringside seemingly be in the stands? A lot of questions to ask. Obviously, we'll find out in the coming days and weeks ahead. But I want your thoughts. How do you think WWE should handle WrestleMania? They're obviously going to have it. Uh, Should they limit fans to less than 30,000 on each night? Should they shorten the amount of time on each night? Let's talk about all that on social media. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Faction Show. Also, make sure you're following us here wherever you're listening to us by way of podcast. Remember, we've got Elimination Chamber coming up this Sunday, and it is the final pay-per-view of the WWE Network as future pay-per-views will now be on Peacock beginning in March, March the 17th, 18th or so. Should be an interesting time for Sure. All right, we're going to get out of here, guys. I love you all. I hope you all are safe and sound. Thank you for your continued support of the faction. And if you haven't done this already, head over to independentwrestling.tv. The latest presentation from Southern Honor Wrestling is there, SHW24. It was a crazy night. I promise you it was a night you won't forget. So go ahead and watch it. If you've not subscribed, go to independentwrestling.tv. Use the promo code SHW and you'll get your first five days for free. So you can watch this and all other SHW events for free for the first five days. All right, we're going to get out of here. Have an amazing Friday, an amazing weekend. Of course, you'll be hearing from us by way of social media as we talk about the Elimination Chamber and more. Until next time, T-Man GB, Gerard Bonner, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. Collectively, we are the faction. Have a great day. I need my